Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Richard Geiger and Ken Seymour. How are you today, good sir? Excited to talk about Televizzle, 60s, comic book characters, yeah. you know, the huge, let's call it. Yeah, we're 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 plugging away. We're going to cover a couple of years. We finished our previous episode where we were talking just a little bit about the history of comic strips and comic books in television with 1967. So we'll pick up a 68. It only makes sense. Um, <laughs> I guess if you're just counting normal numbers, right. I suppose. The, the I'm sometimes able to do that. So. Um, uh, we're still getting into the point where, you know, I watched some of this stuff when I was younger because it was technically before my time. But, uh, you know, due to syndication and some other things, uh, you know, I'd still get to see snippets and sneak peeks um, with the obvious stuff that we always talk about. You know, like the superheroes that everybody knows. We're not going to go into the origins. Everybody knows who created Batman. Everybody knows who created Superman, Aquaman, all that stuff. We've kind of talked about some of that in our uh, episodes where we cover the films. But in some of the comic strip-related stuff, we'll we'll go over some of the origins and uh, some of that sort of stuff. So Yeah, when uh, Bruce Wayne's parents were killed, that's who created uh, Batman. <laughs> right. Oh, now, if you haven't seen uh, the, the Harley Quinn cartoon the current one where they revisit his childhood trauma in his mind there's an episode it's so good yeah it's <laughs> the whole all three seasons are really solid uh, yeah. worth checking out definitely but they had to have origin somewhere predecessors that that kind of paved the way for that sort of thing to be possible so let's let's start into it now did you ever watch the old Scooby-Doo cartoon, Richard? Of course I watched Scooby-Doo. Right. Everybody watched Scooby-Doo. Um, this cartoon was kind of in that vein, that style of uh, artistic quality, that style of animation. Uh, and there's actually a slight... Um, there's a slight uncertainty uh, because sometimes the the older uh, the older shows that you see you can't get all the information for everything in one spot. So what I'm talking about we're we're going to talk about technically two shows at the same time that were in 1968. One of them is called The Adventures of Batman. Um, un, unsurprisingly, it's about Batman, yeah. uh, but uh, it also gets kind of folded into the Batman Superman hour. So as I mentioned, it's an animated show. Uh, and if you try and look this up on IMDb, you're not going to find the adventures of Batman in 1968. You'll find it in other sources. So it's just kind of like says one of those things where I think it, they, they shifted gears <laughs> midstream and then changed their mind. That's changed from, it. Yeah. That's from what I can tell if I'm wrong, it won't be the first time, but <laughs> From everything I looked at, that seems to be what happened. But uh, so you know, Batman. You got some Batman. You got some Robin. You got the the kind of classic style of the Joker. 
uh, if you're fortunate enough to go onto IMDb's website rather than trying to access it through a smart device, you'll be treated to a fairly uh, humorous picture of the uh, Joker character wearing a pirate hat. It is one of the goofiest things I think I've ever seen. I don't remember that episode. I know I've watched it. Uh, A picture of Batgirl jumping out of a locked chest. Also pretty funny. And she's she's got a gun. Don't know why Batgirl has a gun. But, uh... (laughs) So... To to defend herself. Right. Uh, She doesn't have any other, uh, other, um, weapons or anything. Now, the other reason I brought up the, um scooby-doo side of things is they share a voice actor Ooh, so casey Kasem. oh good old casey Kasem. welcome to america's top 40s uh he did he did voices for everybody back in the day and in this show he did he did uh robin so that's just kind of a, a fun thing um and then, of course, you got uh, Ulan Sul doing Batman. Still kind of a very serious sort of take on the Batman character. Now, this guy was kind of a, a, a mainstay of sitcom television and old movies back in the days of the black and white. Um, so, I mean, he maybe had his biggest bit for uh, Captain Midnight. He was, uh, you know, a uh, lead role on that particular show, but... He he kept doing on things until later. We talk about Super Friends all the time. He kept doing Batman all the way through the Super Friends and all that sort of stuff. So this this guy kind of held on as the voice of Batman for uh, a good part of time. Now this is also one of those cartoons where they split the voicing acting between Clark Kent and Superman was not the same dude. Well, you know, um, it's it's clearly not the same person too it's one has glasses on and the other one doesn't so it's it's very hard to distinguish between the two so they got to make sure they have different voices makes sense yeah yeah uh, sure i'll I'll go with that but uh he um he's maybe uh the, the the guy that does the voice for the uh bespectacled side of things is bob hastings uh, if you talk to, depending upon your age range, whether if you talk to your friends, your dad, your grandpa, maybe he might recognize him from being on McHale's Navy as uh, Lieutenant uh, Carpenter. Uh, but he just he's done just a crap ton of voices, and he eventually becomes like the voice of Commissioner Gordon in a lot of the, the more... Um, recent cartoons feels recent to me up up into the two thousands anyway, um, but yeah, that's I th- I thought that was kind of a neat transition, right? Yeah, definitely a lot of um, a lot of familiar faces uh, for this one, and I, I think that's kind of cool that e- even in our current setup for uh, voice actors doing the same character over and over again, it definitely gives that consistency and you know what type of character they're portraying too so even back in the 60s and 70s when um you know the production on these things was fairly limited relative to today it's i think it's pretty cool they got the same same talent to do the same voices right and then the other thing that's kind of nice the uh the actor bud collier 
that did the voice for Superman. This was his last uh, voicing of Superman, but he was the one that did it back in the '40s in those short films and stuff, and uh, and uh, yeah, didn't do anything after this particular point because he died in 1969. Um, so uh, that makes had a good run. Yeah, had a good run. Makes uh, future work a little more difficult. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, Ted Knight continuing his performance. Uh, Billy, 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 Billy. Oh, Billy, Billy, Billy. Um, <laughs> it's just, it looks like a super cheesy but fun. And what I remember of it, I've only seen like one or two episodes, and it was a long time ago. Uh, I seem to remember it being just silly and fun, and you couldn't take it too seriously. Yeah, and it doesn't look like there's 50, 60, 80 episodes, whatever. There's just a handful of episodes available for the the run that they had for it right single season that's that's, it is it is what it is but uh still some some fun some fun stuff just little gems that you can sometimes find now in the same year depending upon the source that you look at (laughs) we had another dc property that had a cartoon now if you look at some of the things that I've researched, it says 1968. If you look at IMDb, it says 1967. I'm not 100% sure who is accurate on this. But uh, a certain very fishy individual had his own cartoon show for a single season. <laughs> it's somewhere in this range of time. Are you talking about the man from the water? I am. The, the aqua... Man. Hmm. It seems like as a as a main obviously you, you have your Batman, Superman stuff, and Aquaman's always been a main focus, but it it seems to me like they continually try to build on this character, but just just can't just can't bring it into the spotlight the way it needs to be. Well, does that sound about right? It it does feel that way. I it, I I think that a lot of times the writers don't know what to do with them. I mean, and in the early days, stuff like this, he's riding a giant seahorse. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, oh, sure, why not? But I mean, the, it, that was kind of the time of this this animation, but. They didn't get any better at how to handle them because how do you handle a guy that's generally going to want to be in the water more often than not? And he wears a very shiny, sparkly shirt. <laughs> it's just it's a little, a little weird. Yeah, and and even the color scheme itself, the orange and the green, um, nothing wrong with the colors. It's just that's not what you see a lot in these characters, right? Right. Uh, so that that combination of the the colors themselves in the like the scale shiny pattern that you have it's like at least in superman there's an emblem batman there's an emblem you know wonder woman it's it's like a two piece suit sometimes right so like there's right. a way to break it up but this is just like orange and green and and i have a spear yes yeah the, that that visual is is you know, rightfully so, it's hard to represent in a, quote, cool way, whether it's cartoon or live action. 
but uh, they tried their best. I, they would bring in the other DC characters. You get the Flash in there. You get Superman. You get Hawkman. Hawk, Hawkman. Wow. If you're unaware, dear listeners, we uh, we record a little late at night. So that uh, sometimes causes the brain to do some funny things. Yeah, Hawk Woman and Aquaman actually <laughs> had a secret love child. <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, yeah, so you get a little bit, you get a little bit of everybody, uh, and you get some Ted Knight in this show, just along with anybody else. Um, now the 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 marquee individual is Marvin Miller doing the voice for Aquaman. If you look at this guy in his picture, he does not look like an Aquaman. <laughs> He looks like a, a Bugsy or a, a Mel. Uh, <laughs> but he did yeah, somebody somebody would have been in like Dick Tracy, for example. Right, exactly. It's just uh it's rather amusing. Uh, but uh he had quite the career. Uh he was in hundred and seventy one separate uh sided performances, so He's uh, this is uh, one of those things where he's he's nowhere nowhere new to the to the sort of thing and uh, I mean just there's a lot of stuff if you look back you just like oh I recognize all those shows that he was in a single episode of <laughs> but he's in a lot of uh, kind of older films too a credit's a credit I guess yeah you're not kidding so I mean they got somebody that had some obviously some experience and some chops I never saw this show. So I have no idea how good or bad it is. The stills look terrible. <laughs> well, the just the seahorse that he's riding looks very, very like child, oh, childish, yeah. cartoonish. Oh yeah, yeah. He does have a saddle though. Uh, I guess that's a good question mark. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We're not going to really spend any time on Aquaman because neither of us have any direct experience, and it is a silly place. So uh, <laughs> let's go on to something that uh, requires a little more conversation. Now, one of the other fun things that uh, can happen when you get on a TV show um, that's animated you get a chance to kind of have a certain level of flexibility that you can't have sometimes with a live action um and i don't know if that lent anything to this being as fun as it was but the original comic that this is based off of has such an iconic style at least in the 1960s it would be hard to imagine it in, in a real world situation now they they have uh 2020s it, it's already been done in live action several bits and several spin-offs have been done in TV and movies and such but in 1968 we had the Archie show Ooh. and that that was definitely animated only lasted a single season um it was a 30 minute television show now for those of you that are not aware the Archies were created by John L. Goldwater, and he made them back all the way in 1941. Um, and it's just kind of, um, it was just kind of one of those things that it was a slice of life, teenage 
story. It was, you know, as realistic as you could get in a kind of a silly comic, a bubblegum comic of the time. Uh, prior to something like this, like a Herald Teen or something would be what would have been a predecessor to this. But you get you you get your group of very uh, different teenagers. You know, you've got Archie and his best friend Jughead that wears a crown for some reason, uh, and it's awesome. Just don't question it. Uh, and he's constantly having to uh, pick between two very attractive women uh, in his school that both want to date him at the same time and Betty and Veronica, uh, who eventually become more popular than him in the readership and get their own comic. <laughs> Do we know what the R on his shirt that he wears means? Riverdale. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's the town that all of this takes place in. And that is the name, uh, if I remember correctly of the current, uh, the current Archie live action Netflix show, Riverdale. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like Archie, not just the comic, but I feel like there's been tie-ins to Archie, not just, you know, comics and TV. Like there's been a lot of other things. Have there, have there been uh, like food items that have been Archie related? What, oh, yeah. what am I thinking here? Well, um, for, uh, one thing that people get confused about to a certain extent, there's a very strong similarity in artistic style to what people would find in Bazooka uh, Bubblegum, but that's Bazooka Joe. That's Bazooka Joe, yeah. So not not the same thing. But in terms of food items, yeah, they, they periodically, they were associated very, very strongly with an ad campaign for Hostess Pies. Gotcha. Yep. See that. That's what I think. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. That that was on the back of so many magazines and comic books throughout the course of the years. That, I mean, between them and a couple of other uh, comic properties, they were really kind of synonymous with that. Um, and there's others that they've been associated with over time too, but nothing quite that, that at least that I saw that was anywhere near that magnitude. So a lot of the individuals involved with this particular show because it was produced by a different uh, set of people or names that may be a little less familiar ones we haven't talked about in the voice acting side of things but it's uh, kind of nice to have somebody new right yeah uh, I feel like a lot of the things that we have discussed so far have been largely uh, I guess that's probably the wrong word but there's been a lot of DC character properties recently, right? And a lot yep. of those DC people have been the same familiar faces of not just the DC actors, but the uh, voice actors in general, things that they have done over the course of the 50s and 60s. So uh, the one, I guess the one that um, I I guess you could say would be noticeable would be the Howard Morris mm-hmm. uh, uh actor but any of the other ones yeah kind of new faces to me well i mean it's one of those things where you kind of know the face of howard morris because of the stuff that you've you've seen him in Mm -hmm. but you the the lead voice i mean because it's it's still all about archie that's that's the main character and they got uh dal mckinnon to do that he is uh gumby 
and then uh, one of the main uh, voices in Lady and the Tramp and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, where you really can kind of recognize uh, his voice. I mean, he's he's very... He's got a very unique voice. He shows up in Treasure Island as Captain Flint, uh, in Oliver Twist as the bookseller. Um, so I mean, he's he's kind of all over the place in terms of uh, doing just a lot of a lot of uh, voice acting. I mean, if if you if you're of a certain age group, you know who Sugarfoot is. You say Sugarfoot, it's like, oh right, I know that. What sure, yeah. Uh, uh, Sissy Sheriff. I mean, that's one of those things that uh, that you can kind of recognize him for. It's a Woody Woodpecker thing. So I mean, it's just it's it's actually got kind of a really solid voice cast. It's just names that a lot of people nowadays just will not recognize. And, and maybe a lot of the things that we we are going to talk about in the future, we'll see on some of these voices, like the John Irwin voice um i think we'll run into him eventually but uh, uh he-man through and through you know so there, there's just a lot of good talent like you said but new to us in a certain sense because yeah. maybe this is just their era of kind of kicking into doing the voice acting now being the comic collector that i am at one point my <clears throat> it wasn't my treasured possession but you know thinking of the oldest comics that i had at one point before my parents so um carelessly lost my collection while i was at college uh i had a jughead's jokes number two that was originally sold for 10 cents <laughs> that, that and an invaders number two those were my oldest comics and probably in a landfill somewhere at this point just makes me Makes me sad every time I think about it. Well, let's go to that landfill and let's dig to see if we can find it. <laughs> find nowhere to look. Um, so we're going to go from one slice of life that was made into a, an animated film into a second slice of life uh, that was a comic strip rather than a comic book and was made into a live action. Now, we've talked about this comic strip adaptation before when we were covering well actually we didn't no now i think about it I don't know. no we wouldn't have because we kept it to comic book stuff well if we had covered a uh, comic strip films <laughs> rather than comic book films we would have talked about a lot of films based on this uh and that's blondie mm, yes but uh, i think I think if you are familiar with Blondie, you might have seen Blondie in uh, on Sundays. Yep, in the Funnies. For a very long time, the original Blondie came out in 1930. <laughs> so, wow! So it's been it's been going on for a while, and it was uh, Chick Young that uh, created this. Now, Chick Young's not actually his real name because who names their kid Chick? C-H-I-C. Doesn't happen very often. Um, his name was actually Murat. Maybe Chick was better. It's Chick McGee? Well, that's still a stage name. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, so you're you're absolutely uh, 100% on. If you read uh, the Sunday funnies, anything that was especially King Syndicate related, uh, that that large uh, conglomerate of newspapers, that you would definitely see something uh, uh, from from Blondie. I mean, they haven't changed the artistic style since the beginning. It doesn't need it. It's it's simple. It kind of is is silly but very communicative very bright in his color scheme uh i don't know why he has bacon hair along the sides uh, of his head uh but uh well blondie doesn't blondie is blonde but <laughs> bumstead he's got the 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 strips of bacon along the sides now uh, for you younger individuals that have never seen this well, uh, as a reminder slice of life is just just exactly what it sounds like. The whole comic strip basically centered around uh, a guy who married way out of his league uh, <laughs> in the home life that they have. So it's the two of them and their dog and him trying to impress his boss. That's the whole comic. There's really not much to it. Not too complicated. Now, is is the concept of the Dagwood sandwich based on this character yes it is Woo. um i feel like gosh where were we at maybe universal i can't remember where i think they, they did still have a, a whole section. sandwich shop mm-hmm. yep that's kind of so fun because it's, it's it's nestled in with all those other old cartoon properties they go okay this is where we put all of the forgotten things that no one will remember except for maybe your parents but maybe not even them <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah it's all this it, it it you're right it's like a collection of well, you're walking through one place to the other and there's all the little older shops but i i i knew blondie and i knew dagwood so yeah it's 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 kind of a it's just kind of a, a fun thing to watch you can't really think too um too deeply about it um the uh actors that they got to do all of the different parts on this, you're not going to recognize in a lot of names, I don't think. Um, they're, they, they had some limited success um, in other projects, but for the most part, uh, if you are even of an age similar to ours, you will probably not recognize most of these names. Um, now, I will say this. the Maybe the most famous of the group would be Jim Backus. Um, he was Thurston Howe in Gilligan's Island. Mm. So he's still very recognizable, and he had a bunch of parts in a bunch of other uh, films and television shows. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> just looking at the list of people that are here, it's like, <laughs> I don't really recognize most of them. Yeah, and same thing that we've discussed with some of the other ones. It's not like this thing had some 50-episode run. No. It lasted effectively a, a season, and then it was gone. Yep. Only to be replaced, what, a decade later with, like, it's the same as some of these other ones, like, the new adventures of. Exactly. Exactly. Now, that brings up an, a very interesting point. We have to take advantage of these things that we have around us while we have them, right? And one of the coolest things that you can take advantage of as a listener is to check out our website, <laughs> everybodylovespudding.com. Never. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's got all sorts of stuff on it. We talk about it every week, but we just want you to be able to enjoy it. Take a look at the kill counts. Take a look at the quick links to the interviews that we do and the awesome people we've had a chance to talk to. Take a look at the comic book database that I swear I'll update very soon. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. I will have more than 10 minutes of time to sew together to, to get it back to where it needs to be. Um, but uh, yeah, we we enjoy trying to share these neat things with you and hopefully you enjoy them as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, going back into it and kind of going off of what you just said, <laughs> the next thing that we're going to talk about, 1969, the Archie Comedy Hour. <laughs> Another animated uh, take. It's It's got actually a slightly different artistic style than the other uh, Archie show. Uh, I feel like they tried to um, polish it just a little bit, but it has the same voice cast. So we're not going to spend much time on that. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, it, they, they did it again and tried to uh, make something out of it. And uh, yeah, so uh, let's yeah, try to make some, try being a keyboard. There. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't catch that. So I said, well, what if we just repackage it and do that? No, it still didn't stick. Um, so let's go. I like how it was a comedy hour. Right, right. Which wasn't an hour. It was only half an hour. <laughs> was it like more of a variety show, but just animated and then they did songs and stuff? That, yeah, that's that's what I have to assume happened. But if you're gonna call it a comedy hour and then the, the cartoon is thirty minutes long, that that on its own is just funny. Kind of uh well I feel like there was a lot of comedy hours in that era anyway whether they were an hour or not though i don't, I don't know can't be that many commercials right can't be that many we're, we're, we're nearing the end uh 1969 didn't have a whole lot of stuff uh which is both good and bad it means that you're going to have a much shorter episode <laughs> than, than you're used to we only have two more programs to talk about from this particular year so we're we're nearing the end already but uh uh but hold on to your shorts uh, we're going to talk about uh, a short. It's not actually a television show. Um, it's a television special. So it was a single episode that happened based on another comic strip. Maybe this is one that Richard is familiar with. I don't know. But it is uh, the, the special is called the Pogo Special Birthday Special. But uh, <laughs> the comic strip is just called Pogo. Are you familiar? Pogo special. Uh, um, Pogo. Pogo. P-O-G-O. Hmm. This was a comic strip that came out in 1941 by Walt Kelly. Um, it's kind of just intended to be um, this anthropomorphic uh, characters, basically. So it was never any intended to be anything that deep. It's just kind of... Um, kind of talking about the times, politics, culture, whatever it is, through the eyes of these, you know, kind of country animals. Yeah, I can't say that I'm familiar with uh, Pogo Possum. Because <laughs> like, oh, that's a head scratcher. But uh, 
I mean, it's it literally because it was a comic strip. It's its whole purpose was just to tell a joke within a handful of panels. It was often funny. I read this all the time. Um, maybe not my most uh, favorite. Um, and it, and it, depending upon where you were, you may not have seen it because this was mostly syndicated in the southeastern United States. So if you were yeah. in Oregon, yeah, you, you didn't see this. Uh, <laughs> it just, just didn't happen. Um, but, yeah. uh, yeah. Can't it, say that I've heard of them. So yeah, no, you, you're, you're not missing anything. And it's just a, another chance to kind of try and give Mickey Mouse a run for his money. You know, sort of a thing in terms of the special, not necessarily the, the comic strip. Yeah. But it does have Chuck Jones doing voice work. So the Mary Melody's master himself did work on this particular uh, special, which leads me to kind of want to see it because I never saw this particular one. Plus, it's got Les Tremaine in there, too. Uh, Les Tremaine is a friggin' legend in terms of just kind of the presence he had at one time. There, it was him and a couple other people that had a voice that everyone recognized. So it was, uh, that just seems like it'd be really kind of interesting. I kind of wish, I kind of wish I could see it from the perspective of those who would hear him at that time and just kind of go get that same kind of reaction. Yeah, I'm looking at Les Tremaine, and there's a lot of familiar comics, and he's got, like, additional voices on there, basically, is what it yeah. credited as. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I bet once you hear him a couple times, you're like, why does that character, why, why does that sound familiar? And it may not be a character that you saw a thousand times, but it's one you saw a couple times while you're watching something else. Well, yeah, but like he did uh, one of the major people in the War of the Worlds in 1953. Uh, so he's, he's, he's not just in the, um, animated side of things. I mean, he was, he was a major voice, uh, in a lot of early television and film. Um, but so, uh, not really much else to say about this. I, I can't, I can't really comment to it. Haven't seen it. Loved the comic. So I'm assuming that this is at least amusing. Uh, hoping it's at least amusing. I guess we'll see him again in the future when we talk about the Shazam. Yes, yes, we will. Well, let's try and end strong. Let's end with something that a lot of people are familiar with. This was based on a comic strip as well. Um, this particular thing is not a television show. It's, again, it's a special, television special. Um, I don't think it was ever really... Um, shown as a film but it is something that a lot of people still watch yearly and it was the the the, the comic strip itself was created by a mr schultz a mr charles m schultz and uh I, i'm sure you can guess who this might be richard charlie brown charlie brown yes it is a boy named charlie brown a 90 minute little television film special um 
one of the things that I really liked about these specials is they had kids do the voices of the kids. Yeah, I, I think if people were familiar with Charlie Brown, it's probably a lot of the a holiday special, right? Like uh, right. The, the Great Pumpkin or a Charlie Brown Christmas, those types of things. And to me, those have a, I don't know, there's just like a a classicness in, in a certain sense to those types of things. Yeah. So, uh, and Charlie Brown was always a comic strip in the, in the Sunday paper as well. So like the, the Charlie Brown's the real deal, you know, the, if you see the, the orange, orange, yellow shirt with the little black squiggles going across the bottom, like, I feel like people still just wear that shirt and there's no words or there's nothing on it, but you know that that's a Charlie Brown shirt. Yeah, immediately. And it's, it's, there's something about this, not only the strip, but the way that the strip was converted into the cartoons that is so relatable. Everybody's felt like that kid that nobody understood, that nobody liked, even if that wasn't the case. I mean, at least from people I've talked to that were popular, they still felt like they were alone. And the kids that were never popular, they knew they were alone. Uh, and, you know, they kind of felt awkward and, and difficult. And you can see aspects of your friends in all of these little kids and the bossy person that wants you to kind of do everything the way that they think that it should be done. And the person that somehow seems to always get something done and has followers that follow them around. And, you know, the, the, the quirky... Uh, quirky best friend that has you know some odd habits. Maybe he carries a blanket around still. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much sweetness to it, and it was genuine sweetness, not saccharine kind of kind of forced sweetness. I always appreciated the uh, the soundtrack that you got with with these uh, oh, yeah. specials. Um, very subtle, but it was that, uh, piano and like the, the jazz drums, you know, uh, it's always kicked in at the right moments and had that right kind of mood to it. Um, that, that's one of the elements that kind of make these things what they are, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's actually kind of sad. The, the, the guy that voiced Charlie Brown, uh, just died this year. Hmm. Uh, Peter Who did the voice. Peter Robbins is the name, and uh, so yeah, he uh, he did not stay in stay in the show business side of things past the seventies. It doesn't look like, but uh, at least not as an actor. Uh, but uh, yeah, a voice that will be in just kind of burned into my brain forever. All their voices will be burned in my brain. Uh, even the wah, 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 wah. Yeah, exactly. If you if you use that to express a, a, a statement or a joke, like people our age know that you're doing the, the teacher voice from Charlie Brown. Or any, any adult voice. <laughs> That's true. Um, you're, but you're right. There's all the little individual 
characters that are their own unique characters, but just set in a child's perspective, but brings it to an all-inclusive perspective. Yeah. If you haven't seen this special, you should definitely do it. It's only 90 minutes, and it's fun, and it's just, it's just, again, like I said, it's sweet. It's just kind of got something to it. Uh, I think... I think most people will be able to gain some enjoyment out of it, especially with the artistic style they have. It was just so, so clean. Squiggly, but clean. Yep, you can tell it's just, you know, panel by panel drawn. And you, you, even the character, like Pigpen, for example, when his little things are dancing around his feet, um, it's it's almost, it's it sounds silly, and especially in an age of, animation like we are today to watch this the animation just like it's so clean and simple but it like it's per like the it's a perfect fit for what's being delivered to you right and that's that's the 60s folks uh, when we come back to this we're going to get into the 1970s things starts to uh sharpen up kind of <laughs> adjust a little bit uh, they don't really get uh, any any more adult in the 70s, but we, we get some some more interesting takes and some more interesting characters. And we definitely want you to come back and listen to what, what transpired in the next decade. But let us know on any social media about uh, anything we might have missed or something we maybe got wrong. We'll give you props for sure. You can find us uh, at Putting Guys on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter until it burns down. Uh, <laughs> you can you can find us even on Patreon where you can support us for just a dollar a month, and uh, we'll continue to try and bring you really interesting interviews with people and uh, discussions about pop culture as it relates to comic strips and comic books. A little bit of a horse a horse historical historical take. Yep, apparently we need to end the episode now before I stop speaking English. I, I want to see the horse historical <laughs> perspective on things. We just wear like the, those little rubbery horse masks <laughs> right. while we have the discussion. Uh, maybe next time. But until then, enjoy your week, people. Enjoy your week, people.